0: Break, break down Achilles breaking on down
1: <laughs> You call guilt today To basically say That you didn't do it
0: and if the shoe fits a quit, immediately you went back to jail and I'm laughing at you. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Pay your child support, dumbass. Welcome to Cake and Kombucha, everybody. It's Cake and Kombucha, everybody. I don't know why I did that, and we might never know. This is your host, Kalechi AZA. This is episode 16 of Cake and Kombucha. I think I'm going to keep counting until 50. That's when I will feel satisfied that we can drop the counting. Cake and Kombucha is a place where you were obviously meant to be. If it's your first time, welcome. It's a place where we discuss pop culture, politics, musings, random things, and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoy doing it. Let's get it going. Hey! 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 Yeah, I'm starting with the most important news story of the week, you guys, um, So this is an Instagram video that, that was me putting the microphone down. This is an Instagram video that I actually didn't know it was real until now, circling back. Um, It was from a church that was having some sort of basement church gathering twerking party. Um, So on this Instagram page, shared by the pastor Thaddeus Matthews, and it says, I bet your church to stick up to have fun. Soulful Sun I don't know what that means. Like I can't help you. I don't have any idea what that means. Soulful Sunday in the gym of Naked Truth Liberation and Empowerment Ministries every Sunday from 3 to 6 p.m. So your reward for going to church is that you get to go drop it low in the late afternoon to early evening responsibly until 6 p.m. Some of the comments on this. Get it, you fat motherfuckers. That's one of my first favorite comments. Um, Someone said, y'all better keep that same energy when Jesus returns. Why would they not, though, if they're this turned up now? I mean, I can't imagine that they wouldn't. Some people are calling this Sodom and Gomorrah. Someone said, twerking Jesus wept. I... I mean, the comments are hilarious. It's got 80,000 views. But the best part was, in response to the critics, the cussing pastor, Thaddeus Matthews, said, Fuck you. This message is for all you hypocrites who live hypocritical and fucked up lives when you have the nerve to judge someone else. I look at many of you who have criticized the young ladies who were dancing in my gymnasium and my church. I look at your pages. You got your ass and titties out. You got all type of trash in your life, but wanna be the one to judge? Fuck you, said Matthews, who leads the Naked Truth Liberation and Empowerment Ministries. You motherfuckers who are out here judging, there is nothing in the Bible about dancing, but it is judging. I think he meant there is. Our people sometimes say it is. Well we mean there is, but it is judging. Again, fuck you. And this is an article on ChristianPost.com. Thank you, Leonardo Blair for that reporting. I just, I like to credit everybody. I'm not here to steal content. Um, So yeah, I mean, okay, like I hear where you're coming from. I do. And I feel the same, pretty much. But at the same time, as a pastor, isn't, you know, where I would say, fuck you, you judging whores, aren't you supposed to say something like, you know, take the beam out of your eye before you Remove the earwax from this John or whatever that Bible quote. Like, aren't you supposed to be like, I see how we all, you know, do this thing that's judging. It's not the greatest. Jesus was more about acceptance. Let's try to turn the other cheek. Another quotes Psalm Psalm quote quote. Like, I don't know that to me that's a lot of pent up anger for a. That's a lot of pent up anger for a minister. I'm just saying, but you know. By the same token, he was defending his flock. You guys came for his flock, and he was just being a good shepherd. And uh, I'm done. I don't have any more biblical-related metaphors. I did go to the website of this Naked Truth Liberation and Empowerment Ministries. He has a birthday blues bash, so he's got a birthday party going on. He's got lots of selfies. He's got lots of very intricately brocaded glittering um, jackets I see he wears. He's turning 62. Um he's got items for sale. This is not for sale. Items for sale. Ooh, uh televised advertisements, visual commercials are two thousand dollars, read commercials are one thousand (laughs) dollars. The ten dollars per pack, the erector. Now I don't know what that is. This is a naked liberation trip. What is the erect? Also available. I done found my good thing. For ten dollars plus five dollars shipping and handling, it tells of how even after being so lonely you are finally paired with your perfect match. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Place your order. Okay, and there's a new recording also of standing on the edge about to fall and you caught me. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm I can't I can't do this anymore, but I may I may invest in that how I found my I done found my good thing. It sounds like it could be a winner. Okay, I have a really positive story to report before we get into the mire and the muck that is a lot of documentaries, a lot of follow from documentaries, legal things. There's a lot going on. Um, it is reported that there is a second patient that has been cured of HIV. Um, this is the second time this has happened. Um, the first would be 12 years ago, uh, a procedure led to long-term remission in a patient, and they have duplicated it now. I think it was, it was a bone marrow transplant. They did a bone marrow transplant on this patient in an effort to cure actually blood cancer that the patient had, and they have found him to be undetectable now, and they're calling it remission cautiously, but pretty much news outlets and even scientific outlets are calling it a cure. So this is amazing. It's 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 huge to be able to put the word cure out there so we can stop thinking of it as something that we shouldn't be fighting for and working towards finding and something impossible. Like we've seen that it's not impossible. And I think if we really use our imaginations, we know that technology advances every day. And we've had over 30 years now to study this disease. So I think it's very exciting. Um, I think it's very very exciting. I hope people still, you know, practice safe sex. I think there's every reason in the world to practice safe sex and we have something as kind of extreme as a bone marrow transplant as you can already imagine is not something that would be accessible to every person when we have people that aren't even insured in this country. I mean, that's a separate conversation, the issue of How younger generations, um, you know, with PrEP being readily available, people are not taking safe sex as seriously. And I never like to fault gay men and say that this is something specific to gay men. It's something specific to men. Y'all don't like to use condoms. You just don't. You don't like to use them. we We are the bearers. Women are the gatekeepers of condom usage. And I... From my experience, most men would not use one if you did not mandate it. I mean, I'm a virgin, so who knows what the, I'm just I'm just saying like it's, it just seems like from what I've heard. so anyway, this is great news and I think that we only have more good news and breakthroughs to look forward to. Praise God. so Terry Cruz, who I love and stand for I we had a moment he didn't know. But I had a moment where I was, I was in love with him. I was ready to risk it all. Then I listened to his memoir about how he had been like a terrible abusive father and husband for like 20 years and almost lost his whole family and got them back. And I was like, you know what? You keep that, you earned it. His wife, to his wife, you you earned it, keep it, keep all of that, reap all these benefits. That's all you, sis. I hope. That when I find my person, I can omit the 20 years of misery part. That's what I want. Um, I don't care how big his pecs are and how fast he can make each one bounce individually. I'm just going to... I just want to stay too blessed to be stressed. But... I still respect him a lot for the work that he's done. Not still. Like, I do respect him for the work that he's done. And I really... He's just a public figure that I really, really enjoy. I love the way he stood up for the Me Too movement. He talked about his own discomfort. And and just even bringing any kind of understanding to the concept that men's bodies can be violated as well. And they are in different ways. Especially in Hollywood. Um... So that said, he's gotten himself into a little bit of hot water for his comments. He retweeted an interview that he did like four years ago. I guess he was just filling himself. This is social media. Only because I'm doing these deep dives to share with you guys did I even know that the interview that sparked the tweet that he retweeted and then got in a fight about was from four years ago. But apparently he was recently talking about the importance of fatherhood. So then he went and talked more about fatherhood um, and... To, or sorry rather tweeted this old episode of the view that he was on talking about fatherhood so he gets in a fight with an online crusader who has a very pretty picture very shiny hair don't know her don't know her never met her um it's she says you can't expect to educate people if you don't listen to others when they try to educate you so i think this is like they were already they were already in the weeds he said i heard you you said my purpose as a father is no longer needed understood i've reiterated many times that same sex couples and single parents can successfully raise a child but and i'm putting the emphasis on the but because A but should always have that emphasis. It's negating the thing you said before, pretty much. But, but I believe paternal and maternal love are like vitamins and minerals to humanity. No matter where you get that paternal and maternal love, my purpose is to give paternal love. So then she
1: said, love is not gendered. A child will not starve with only one gender Loving them, and Terry Crews
0: said, "But they will be severely malnourished." <laughs> Starvation. That's how I read it in my head because you just people don't usually say severely or malnourished on Twitter. I I've heard it as severely malnourished. <laughs> Okay. I'm acting up because I have like an overhanging mic today. It's exciting. I'm sorry. I, I do apologize for this and for things that might happen in the future of this next 45 minutes to 55 minutes. Um, So people, as they do, are playing the nut role and saying they don't understand how this could be offensive. So I'm here to play a little both sides of the fence, sort of, kind of. I think the chances that he meant something not heteronormative are very low. I think it's low. He, people are parsing that he said, you know, they need a male figure and a female figure. Wherever they get that love from, that's what they need. And, you know, people are latching onto that, but people who are offended by it are, are latching onto the severely malnourished part. So, I don't know. Given both sides... I'm going to have to say I gave it a side-eye, personally. Like To me, someone who tormented their family for 20 years in their own words and had their kids and wife afraid of them and also came from a legacy of abuse from his father physically fighting his father, knocking him out, watching his father beat his mom, alcoholism, all down the paternal line— I I guess I understand he's saying the importance of it and he can know that it was important because he sees how the negative things that happened shaped him, but he just, it doesn't really seem like the right person to be giving the message of how like, what I do as a father can be unmatched by two bitches. They can never support you like I can support you. Like, it just is like you, you, it took you your whole life to figure this out almost, I'm not sure if we should be saying how it's essential because then you're kind of saying like, was it essential to go through all that drama? That's what I think. Um, What I won't do is sit here and say that it could not be misinterpreted to be a slight against gay people. Like, in a podcast room, but there's an improv class down the hall. So it's very loud here. I'm going to speak with the managers. Call me Karen. I'm going to call them. I'll let you know how it goes. Anyway... This foam on the wall is not doing anything. But I do like this microphone, so we'll see. We're still figuring things out. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't appreciate the people that are like, I don't know why people are so triggered because it's the main ones calling other people triggered. when it. Co- Everyone is triggered when it comes to a group you're not. You know, like the gay feminists, I mean, sorry, like the black feminists on Twitter that I know are like, you're being um, too sensitive about this. You just said people need a father and a mother. What's so controversial about that? And I'm like, it is a little controversial to slight single parents. And, you know, to really say out here that all you did was need to wake up in the morning and have balls and procreate with a female. And that puts your parenting ahead of a, like a commune of Amazonian women that wear lilies in their pubic hair and raise their children with to ride on dolphins and like play and sing with the birds like and not fight and everyone has enough to eat and there's no war and I don't know I don't know that you win that competition between like an all female utopia and just you and your wife just figuring things out because you're heterosexual I'm not sure we'd have to ask wonder woman to his credit he did apologize he said his his word choice was poor, so he perhaps he was being reactionary with the, they will be severely malnourished. But at the same token, you said what you said. You know, you lashed out at the girl with some severe language. But what you meant was their outcome in life, whatever, it will not be as successful as a single parent or two parents of the same gender. And I do think that there should be a distinction made between, you know, two, a gay couple who has A gay couple cannot have, when I say gay, I mean two men, two women, they can have a baby by accident. Those babies are some of the most cherished, planned for, prepared for, wanted, coveted babies because their entire existence took care and planning. You can't just knock it out by accident. So I think there's a huge difference between that and then someone who perhaps was raised by a single parent who... No, you know, they are under the kind of like cloud of knowing that the other parent left or seeing their parents struggle because it's a circumstance that they did not plan for, they did not intend for themselves, they did not want. I think that's a little bit different, but I just don't want to get so reductive. I know that there are certain things, you know, I don't know. I had a father, I loved him and he was my father and he was an amazing person. I don't know what it's like to have a not amazing father. So it's kind of hard for me to say what was the father part and what was the him as a human being being an amazing partner to my mom. Like I do have my own ideas about what that looks like and what I want for a partner because I'm heterosexual, but I don't think that my sister who is gay like can apply the things that she saw into what she wants out of a female partner who she's now married to. Do you get know what I'm saying? It's kind of like... Some of these things, I just think we're really going to have receipts. We're going to have to have... I want you to show me the studies that only this gender can teach you this, and this sex can teach you this, and how is she going to learn how to throw a ball? Like, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe 20 years from now, we won't be having these same type of reductive conversations. But sure, love is love. So much love. The more a child is love, the better. I mean, it takes a village, really. That's what I actually think. It takes a village. Okay you guys, I'm going to delve into a topic that sends most people into a blind rage. That is the Kardashians. Now, I said on my first podcast episode ever that some of the reasons people hate Kim Kardashian, I do not stand by. She is she had a sex tape that by all accounts, okay, by my account I watched it, it was quite boring. She doesn't she's not a super hoe. She doesn't even look like she's good at hoeing. Like I we she doesn't we need, don't need to keep calling her a whore and all this stuff because of her sex tape that her boyfriend released, which is illegal. I mean, it's revenge porn is against the law. Like I I kind of resent people for just hating that something related to female sexuality made this person famous. People really go in on that on sex workers strippers, all the type of people that they like to be entertained by under the light of the moon. They try to come for during the day. And the cousin pastor told y'all you're some hypocrites. Okay, that rant was there to excuse myself because I'm about to get into a story that is all about all the different people that the Kardashian sisters have slept with or hooked up with and man stealing and things like that. So I know some of my favorite listeners, Chinyere. You're probably unaware that. That's my sister. I'm here to bring the pop culture to people that don't have time and are like, you know, solving the world's problems. So, Kylie Jenner's best friend from eighth grade, Jordan Woods, as in the media for having hooked up with Tristan, her older sister Chloe's baby father. I will say that again. So, Chloe Kardashian has a baby with Tristan, who's an NBA player, who's 27. He's kind of cute, but not cute enough for all of this nonsense. Now, allegedly, Jordan Woods, who is a 20-year-old, who's, who's part of the Kardashian family at this point. They refer to her as a sister. She models on the Good American site. She's had her own lip colors and Kylie's lip kits. She is now being dragged through the media for having hooked up with Tristan, there. That's what happened. Now why does this matter? Because it became this media firestorm that had, you know, all of the tweets and the Instagram posts and people I mean, this is the way people communicate with their close friends at this point. I, I know I know I think it's weird too. When you're betrayed intimately by someone that you consider to be a sister category, someone who lives with your little sister in your house, it's part of your family basically. What's the natural thing to do? Write on Instagram about it, especially if you're 33 and the mother of a young child, right? Well, that's the world we live in. So that's what happened. So this girl, Jordan, was total. I didn't know who she was, but apparently she'd already had like a couple million Instagram followers just from proximity to Kardashians. So she was completely dragged through the media. But then we find out that who are the famous family members that are going to come to her rescue? The Smiths. So her father was a sound engineer on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And her father, unfortunately, passed away when she was young. Will Smith became a father figure to her. So Uncle Will and Aunt Jada were not having it. They invited her on Red Table Talk, which gets about 20 million views per episode. This is a show on Facebook Live, if you guys aren't familiar. This is the future. One of the most watched shows, you can't even say on television now, so you just say shows. One of the most watched shows... Is on Facebook, Red Table Talk. Look it up. So Jordan comes on Red Table Talk, and when I say they put a chalk circle of healing around this girl, it was a beautiful thing to watch. I just want people to stand for me like if I do some hoe shit, be like, she can have a hoe moment, but that is okay because hoes are here to stay. No, they didn't say anything that rhymed, but they weren't having it. Will Smith doesn't even come on Red Table Talk all like that. I think he may have been on a like one or two, maybe like a an episode about marriage. They'll show like pictures of him. He's not. It's a women's show pretty much. Uh, do I want to say that? I mean, it's women led, women driven. I would say, and so. He had a video, like, first of all, they did a montage, baby pictures of Jordan. They said, look, we've known this girl since she was born. Don't try us. Pictures of her sitting on his lap, pictures of her growing up with Jaden. Then he came on there and said, look, we all make mistakes, but this will not break you. We won't let it. I said, come on, Uncle Will. Come on, Uncle Will. They just encircled that little girl with love, let me tell you. It was beautiful. Now, the content of what was going on was just utter nonsense. I mean, uh, so apparently... This is a story that we're going with. Jordan says that she was out all night partying, not all night. Let me not say that about LA, because y'all, your clubs close at like 2 a.m. So clubs close super early there. People do not stay out the club late, and then you go to house parties. That's just the culture of the West Coast. So after they were out, she said she went to a house party. Um, and people were like what's what's the spot? Where are we going? What are we doing next? Oh, we're going to Tristan's now, right off the bat, as she acknowledges, you obviously should not go there's just no reason to go to a party of your your play big sister's baby daddy's house where you where your play big sister's not around. doesn't really make sense, but she went, she's young, and she said she was drinking, she was drunk, she wasn't blacked out, but she knew what was going on. People were saying that after the party, that she had given Tristan a lap dance, that she was just sitting on the chair next to his, and she put her legs over his legs. That's all that happened. And so then at like 7 in the morning, she was like, oh, my gosh, my carriage has become a pumpkin. I've got to go. And walks to the door, and Tristan walks her out and kisses her on the lips. Now, when I tell you I was, I don't even know the, I don't know if I've ever had the type of kiss she was describing. She said... It wasn't with tongue. It wasn't making out, but it wasn't on the, it wasn't a peck. So it was a firmly lips pressed kiss with like, mm, mm, I'm doing it on my hand. Mm. I don't, I don't know. I, it's not in my repertoire. Let me say that. So that's where we leave the story. Now she did say, she, she said, I did not, I personally know that I did not break up their family but I'm sure that what happened might have made it more difficult for Chloe to go back with him. And she did refer to him as her ex. And that was kind of... People are calling that a Freudian slip because it was like before they officially broke up. So it kind of implies that they were already not together. So the, the fun part of this is people have had it. They're done with the Kardashians. They don't like them for a number of reasons. And some of the reasons I think are sexist, racist, whatever, like... Yes, do they appropriate black culture? Yes, but do people also like hate them because they date black men? Yes, I. there's lots of racist conversations about, oh, like they just live big dick and did it. So it's complicated. It's very complicated. However, I can say that the black female community is not having it. They're done. They're staging a revolt. It's it's kind of been fun to watch. They just were like, we're not going to let you guys destroy this 20-year-old's reputation alleging as a 33-year-old woman that a 20-year-old broke up your home is nonsense. It just sounds bad. Like, it just sounds bad. And furthermore, the Kardashians are famous for doing this to everyone else, which I didn't really realize the extent because I just, obviously, I pay attention. I'm never going to be one of those people to say I'm above pop culture, but I was not keeping track of this very closely, but they've done this all the time. Kylie Jenner, who's Jordan's best friend, took Black China. Or she took Tyga from Black China, which is why Black China started dating their brother and then got pregnant <laughs> as revenge. They, Khloe Kardashian, has taken like two of Trina's men, and then I mean, there's uh, who else? Who's the other person? Tristan, is that his name? Not Tristan. Sorry, um, I don't know his name. Her current man, Kylie's current man, was with another like cute black girl that she took him from. And when I say took, I don't mean, I'm usually of the philosophy that you can't take someone's man. But what I mean is, literally they are friends with these people. In some cases, like best friends. Like I'm appearing on the Keeping Up With The Kardashians show as your like best friend du jour. And then they found out, like Trina said, I found out on Instagram that my man was with Chloe. That's awkward. Like you expect someone to come home and you find out on a blog that they're in a new relationship. You're just like waiting for bedtime. Like, hey, oh, oh. Like, that's hurtful. So some really shady, untoward stuff has gone down. And it's just ridiculous to be playing the victim to such an extent. Furthermore, no one had said anything. No one in the family had addressed the actual father who's out here doing all this mess. He already cheated on Chloe while she was pregnant. which, But he also cheated with her while his other baby mama was pregnant. Which, while we're on the topic, all of these girls love to date people with seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 children. I don't get it. If you're in your early 20s, you you can date people who have no, you know, very little baggage. Like, you are free. The world is your oyster. But I guess if you like rappers, that's what you're signing up for. But to to wrap up about the Jordan drama... She was a very convincing witness, not in terms of the details of her story. Obviously, the truth is somewhere in between whatever. But she seemed sympathetic. She was very sorry. She was crying. She was embarrassed. And she said that her her mom can't even leave the house. Her brother can't even leave the house. And I'm like, dang, you are an Instagram thought Who's and your mother now is like even recognizable to the press? Like, that is that says something about where we are. Celebrity has really changed, but you know, you felt sorry for her when you watched it, and the tides have turned. She has an eyelash collection with Eiler that is completely selling out. People are online, like, I don't even wear eyelashes, and I went and bought some to support her. So, this is like very possibly turned into a great media opportunity for her. But what I will say is. I could see a world in which she is a plus-size model, very slightly plus-size, just a pretty curvy girl, and um, I can see how being in LA around all of this fakeness and confusion and people getting lip injections to look like you and black men leaving black women and even mixed women, Tinashe got cheated on. Now, you know when mixed girls can't even get a leg up. Times is hard. This, yeah, to not someone one of them basketball players left Tanache for a, another Kardashian. I mean, I could see her being surrounded by all this racial confusion and, and kind of yeah, getting body parts built to look like her body. But then you're told that you're too big the whole time until you're sort of popular, but you're not sure if you're popular. I could see. At a, an insecure 20-year-old whose father has also passed away and et cetera, getting a little bit of attention from an older guy. And when you're a 20, 27 is significantly older. Seven years is a big age difference. And I could see her feeling a little bit special and getting wrapped up in it and, and just wanting to feel relevant, wanting to feel attractive, not playing second fiddle to people who think that they're a self-made billionaire, but were born rich, things like that. I can see how it could happen, and doesn't make you an evil person. You're not going to hell. You have years to get your hoish behavior in line, whereas some of these older women in this story really don't. They should know better, and they've exhibited less judgment than you many times. So, you know, that's where we are. I think the tides turn because the next day after Jada Pinkett said, you shall not pass, guess who came online and said, well, it's not really... You know, Jordan's fault totally. It's also Tristan, but, you know, I was just shocked and I felt betrayed. So the tune totally changed. And that is the longest you'll have to hear me talk about the Kardashians ever again, I promise. I lied. Here's another Kardashian story. Forbes has named Kylie Jenner the world's youngest self-made billionaire. I don't know why people can't just let sleeping dogs lie. Why do we have to put this self-made in? Why can't she be just a young billionaire that people like to take pictures of? There's so many other options for how to phrase this wouldn't have people in in an uproar, but she also took this title and ran with it, which again begs the question, where's humility? Where's common sense? Why is someone with the billion dollars? Do you also need to be congratulated about having a billion dollars? Why can't you just, your company had $360 million in sales last year. That's impressive. Who knew so many people needed someone to tell us how to match a lip color and a lip liner together? I don't, but... That could stand on its own, and yet you have to go add more things. This is what I rant about every week, it seems now. Like, the whole putting rich people on a pedestal and imbuing their wealth with some sort of importance and, and some sort of, like, virtue that it doesn't have. Like, okay, you're hardworking, you blah, I don't care. You're not self-made because you started out with, like, $250,000. It's just annoying. And, and the fact that we have people that would give her this title that she would accept this title, that she would sit here and argue with us about this title, means it translates into politics, into the way that we cannot talk about wealth and income inequality in this country. It's a sort of mental confusion that we would allow this terminology to happen. So I just want to put it out there and say that it seems like it's just nonsense and innocence, but it's really not. It speaks to so much more about our country that This is what's important to us. This is what we value. But not only do we put money on a pedestal, we still have a weird relationship with it where we kind of like hate it and don't trust it because otherwise you could just say, hey, this is a rich bitch. You could just be why you why why can't it just be that instead it has to be well, she got it this way because she did this, and look how much this college student paid off her her student loans in two days. Well, my grandmother gave me a house and then I sold it. Do you remember that article that was like basically it was supposed to be practical tips for how like This student was like better at budgeting than everyone else. And then she was like, well, my dad had eight rental properties, so I'd live in a different Airbnb condo every week and charge the hobos downstairs. And it was just like, okay, you had like a complete setup to earn this money back. It applied to literally no one. So I would just like less tone deaf reporting and articles about wealth for 2019. Can I have that Santa Claus?
1: Hello, hi, it's me again, Marianne Williamson. Hello, is this thing on? (laughs) I don't usually use microphones, I just stand outside in the forest during my menstrual cycle and scream out into the void, Ah! Ah! (laughs) Before we get started, can we please just clear our energies for one moment? So as I was saying, I've come to talk to you about the most important issue of this upcoming presidential race, and that is reparations. Our black brothers and sisters toiled in the soil that built this great nation. The blues singing and the cries and the deep soul and the gospel moan is proof that their jubilant, jubilant joy for life is what supports our nation's lifeblood. For that reason, I propose a $200 billion to $500 billion plan of reparations. The money will be dispersed over a period of 20 years. An esteemed council of African American leaders would determine the educational and economic projects to which the money would be given. I have already spoken with this panel and it will include Booker T. Washington, Marcus Garvey, W.E.B. Dubois, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, Zora Neale Hurston, Jimi Hendrix, Marvin Gaye, Richard Pryor. Hmm. Bubba Sparks, he was on the list, but he's not black. You may be wondering what everyone on this list has in common. They were all very, very important figures in African American history. You may be wondering... How am I going to speak with them? If they're dead, but don't worry. I'm a healer, that's what I do. I've already spoken with them and they have some great ideas on how to get our country on track to where... Oh, Aretha, of course, I'm sorry. Yes, Aretha, I'm sorry. Yes, of course. Yes, yes, beautiful gowns, beautiful gowns. Aretha Franklin would like to be included as well. Marianne Williamson, 2020. I'm Oprah's friend.
0: Okay, the time has come for me to wade into something that I am a little bit intimidated to wade into because I feel kind of alone. I feel like I'm losing my mind. And it speaks to, you know, something that I've discussed where people care a lot about celebrity, they worship their idols and don't think they can do any wrong, and they also sort of care about the causes they care about when the mood strikes them. I'm talking about leaving Neverland right now. So first of all, I have to give this giant caveat, which I don't know if I owe it to anyone, because I do think logic is still prevailing here mostly, but I will say that I'm not... I am a huge Michael Jackson fan in that he has created a catalog of music that's unparalleled. He's created so many songs you don't even know that are his. Like, you'll listen to something else and realize that it's a a cover. I mean, he was an incredible, incredible performer. His, the dance legacy that he gave, we wouldn't have, well, I'm trying to name not problematic people. So I'm going to say Usher. I'm not going to say Chris Brown. We wouldn't have Usher without him. I mean his genius speaks for itself. However, I didn't have the emotional connection to him that some people do. I'm not sure if it's because of my age. I'm being younger than some, but like at the same time, I did, I do love Prince. I don't know. I just never, you know, Michael Jackson was some, Some we we definitely put on our little living room talent shows directed by me growing up and, you know, danced and did the choreography and it was great. It was, but I also feel like I grew up in such a great era musically, like the 90s. So I don't feel like I was like starved for people to like look up to and great music videos to emulate. And yes, of some of those were generated by the Jackson family. I mean, kind of other videos that come to mind are Janet. But so that being said, I don't know if I'm receiving this differently because I don't have that like emotional connection, but I also have always pretty much thought Michael Jackson was a pedophile. Here's why, because he lets children sleep in his bed. I, I, I don't know what else. I mean, little kalechi like eight year old, seven year old Kalechi, I was raised to think that was weird like, I knew I wasn't allowed to go on sleepovers when I was little because my mom was just not having it. She wasn't having it. She'd seen a lot. She's a doctor who ran a private practice, and she knows how predators can be, and some predators are parents. And she was just like, nope, you can go to the party part and you can come home. And I thank her for that. I thank her for never letting me, raising me in a place where I thought, you know, abuse can only happen like this. I, I always knew that if anything happened to me, and things have happened to me before, like I could come and say, this this is something that someone did to me, and it wasn't going to be my fault, you know? So I don't understand how people are calling these boys liars, liars for what happened in the bedroom when we know they were in the bedroom, because that was that is factual, and Michael Jackson admitted to that part. So to back up, if you've been living on the moon, leaving. Do you like how I just shade you? If you don't know what I'm already about to talk about, sorry, it's all in fun. So, Leaving Neverland is a documentary, a two-part documentary that was released on HBO. That is an intimate look at uh, the youth, the childhoods of Wade Robson and James Safechuck, and how they were. So their whole families were kind of groomed by Michael Jackson and they became part of a series of boys. And again, this is all completely was reported in the media that would, Michael Jackson would take on tour with, travel around the world with. He would kind of have his... It's not really a protege. They weren't all dancers, but um, I think Wade was the one who actually was a dancer, so that relationship was probably one of the most painful, too, in, in, in a way, because he his parent, his whole family got sucked into moving him from Australia to America to pursue dance with Michael Jackson giving them promises that he was going to introduce Wade into the industry and he was going to mentor him, et cetera. But so I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the word. So the word was on one of these, uh, the news reports that was on the, they said, Michael Jackson and his traveling companion, nine-year-old, pause, what, Yes. The newscaster said Michael Jackson and traveling companion. And this is like VHS footage from the time. So the time period which was the like early 90s. So we everyone did all this extra work. And this is just my opinion from watching it. This is what I took away from that. Everyone did all this extra work to find a way to make it normal. The pattern that Jackson had, he would have a certain boy and after he kind of get a little bit older, He'd kind of, he'd find a new boy and he befriended the families. These families would become entwined into his life. He told the fam- each the parents of these boys, you know, other people will try to get too close to you because of my fame and my fortune, like don't talk to them. So he had these people he brought in. He told them he was their family. He spent hours on the phone with them. He, He, everyone thinks that, you know, he needed them. One of the mothers of Wade, Wade Robson's mother was like, I felt like he was my child too. And this is a 30 year old man at this, at this point. So none of this was normal. And I just feel like I'm in this kind of twilight zone of people. I don't know if they've just been sick of hearing that one of their faves is a pedophile for so long and they didn't watch it. But then other people are like, they're lying, they're lying, they're lying. So what I will say is this. Or oh, the other popular one, which I want to discuss too, is why isn't Michael Jackson here to defend... He's not here to defend himself. Why didn't you interview the family? And the answer is because the family wasn't in the room. You know, uh, Dream Hampton didn't interview R. Kelly for the R. Kelly uh, documentary. She did interview his brothers, and she didn't interview you know, the one brother that was standing up for him, but ended up throwing him under the bus. Um, but I watched the director's remarks, and he said... That's not what this is about. I, and I, I mean, and that's valid, right? Because it's, a documentary is a film, it's art. And I'm not saying it was, it's it's art in the sense that it's fake, but this was a very intimate look sitting with these grown men telling horrifying details about explicit sexual abuse that they endured. You, they talk about how much they loved him. They talk about their hurt and disappointment when they felt passed over for other boys, their confusion, their eagerness to please him, just telltale very, very standard like hallmarks of abuse and the way one would feel towards the sort of larger-than-life figure that in, in, like ingratiates himself into your life, into your world. And you're just sitting with these men, and it's them, it's interviews, and it's flashbacks of footage of them as like these bright-eyed little kids, there's no, what does his family have to say? What What is his family going to say to directly contradict that? I mean, they can't even contradict that something very inappropriate and strange was going on. So then they're just going to say, no, that time that you said that you were in the movie theater room and then you had this sex game, that didn't happen. You don't, They don't know that. So it's, I just, I don't know. I don't really find that to be a relevant argument that, he needs to defend himself and he he did defend himself in court and as people keep bringing up he was acquitted um but in the documentary the two men addressed that they were called and they and begged and pleaded to protect him um they were not the ones that had brought up the abuse charges against him other boys had and they said that um michael jackson called them and begged them to testify on his behalf in court and they did and Wade Robson, who by the way I knew, you know, as a teenager, he was famous. He was the choreographer for Britney Spears in *Sync*. He had all these dance videos that were popular. He really like ha- he was famous. Um, so Wade Robson just said, "I had to lie, and I don't feel bad about it. I perjured in court. That's what I did. That's what happened, and I don't feel bad about it. None of this is, is." Hard to believe. And you know, they said they didn't want to lie. They still cared about this person. They didn't want him to go to jail. I don't know. It was a rough ride. The pain on the pain on Safe Chuck's face was just so palpable. I I'm not as good an actor as that. If he I don't know where they're just giving out Oscar shit and Oscar performances out, but he can have one. If he's lying, he can have it and i just have to say i don't know if i <clears throat> oh excuse me i don't know if i have such a different vantage point again because i do not have this emotional my world will not be rocked if someone that i know already slept with little boys in bed that were not his kin if you tell me that he, something else happened too that seems logical not shocking but I just, I don't know if it's because I already think that, that I'm able to like see something differently when I watch it, but I just, I just wanna know what people are thinking when they, what they see, when they look and see it, think, oh yeah, lies, yeah, that's, that's how, that's how I was when I, you know, when I broke the vase and I put it back together and returned it to Amazon. Just, it's just Tuesday. Like it's, it was, I don't know, it was really, really moving. Um, so again, you know where the truth lies, I guess we'll never know, but I am just interested in how people feel comfortable vehemently denying that this is true, and again, it's with the conspiracy theories, so then Oprah had an after a special afterwards where she talks about um she she interviewed them, and I didn't get to watch that part yet, but I do know that she has been like abandoned disowned by the community for this. Why didn't you do this to Weinstein? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? It's whataboutism is rampant. There's so many answers to that. It could be, or why didn't you interview R. Kelly? I mean, A, it could be because she didn't want to. I mean, we always forget the fact that people can do what they want when we're, when we're demanding these things. Did you interview R. Kelly? Like a powerful person that has some resources that you don't or a platform you don't doesn't always have to do exactly what you do in your head What you would do in your head Maybe she wanted to be on her pineapple farm in Hawaii Maybe she doesn't like R. Kelly Because he almost tried to eat Gail We'll get to that There's there's options But maybe she didn't want to That's one of them You know Maybe she didn't want to take Shine away from Dream Dream Hampton Who's a thinker and producer that's having her moment right now So maybe she's like I'm not going to take away from another black woman's documentary right now By putting Oprah all over it I don't know I really don't know. Or maybe it's not her interest. I do not know. All I know is she, she wanted to interview these people. They are alive. They can be interviewed. And she also has a special place in her heart for um, sexual abuse survivors, especially as children, which I believe is when she was abused. Not to say she doesn't feel for the 14-year-olds and, and girls that are abused by R. Kelly, but this story is one she wanted to cover. She waited out of you know interview kind of retirement to do it. And it mattered to her. And she saw something in it that spoke to her as an abuse survivor, and so she wanted to speak to them. She's also interviewed Michael Jackson before. So for all of you saying, like, why don't you see both sides? I mean, she interviewed him, too, when he was acquitted. So I... People, we're all imperfect, you know? We're all imperfect, and we want to believe what we want to believe. And I get that. But I just have such a hard time with... There's some online activists, and I say that with heavy quotation marks, but people that... I know their opinion about every other major thing that's happened recently. And they always seem like on the side of right and victims and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I read this this one guy analyzing that, come on now, everyone knows Michael Jackson was a child. He had a child's mentality, so he, he didn't think he was hurting people. Now, R. Kelly's a monster, but we're going to say that this man who we know was weird as a child? And I'm like, wait, so if you know someone's pathology... Oh, and he also said... You know, Joe did abuse them and Joe had them do this. So I'm like, oh, so if you know someone's backstory, then they're not whatever they're diagnosed, they're not a pedophile. Like, if you know their pathology, then they're not a murderer. Everyone has a backstory. Most abusers were abused themselves, but not every person that's abused becomes an abuser. I mean, like on the show Mindhunter, it's a great show on Netflix, recommend it if you like serial killer stuff, which I, you know, you know, I live for serial killers and cults, love it. So he, it's about the development of like the FBI's like serial killer wing and how people kind of didn't really have a way of studying like really depraved people and that whole body of work. And so psychology was only becoming like integrated into the police force in that kind of way In the 60s. And so this guy does these profiles on these killers and interviews them. And he learns things about them like, you know, someone stepped on their shoe when they were in third grade and it hurt and they got teased. But, like, the moral of the story is not like, and then I cut everyone's head off because I was sad. Like, that's not an acceptable response. It's just not. So... I'm very interested in the ways that we sometimes think those things matter and we sometimes don't. Because when you tell me there's a man that has a toy train around his bed that has built a kind of children's paradise to let people's kids come over and play and spend the night, to me, that just sounds like a Tuesday in pedophilia. I don't. It doesn't sound like a different type of thing. So that's kind of all I have to say about that right now. I I mean, yada, yada, yada. Same comments about how black people love the legal system only on Wednesdays when it acquitted Michael Jackson, but the rest of the time, we don't trust anyone. We don't trust the Chicago PD. They're our best friends when it comes to solving that sassy gay mystery, Jesse Smollett. Like, I don't understand how fickle people are with certain stuff like that. It gets my goat. It really gets my goat. Um, He was acquitted, he's acquitted, he's acquitted. I mean, There's so many reasons that victims have to not tell the truth, like being embarrassed. But I mean, many people have pointed out like it's very unusual for adult grown men to lie about being abused by another man and anal sex. And I mean, these are just things that people, situations people don't usually contrive for themselves. But that's all I have to say. I'm just interested in the patterns of when we give empathy, when we don't when we find other names for things, when we don't, and the, the twisted logic we're using. But I get it that, like, talent makes us crazy. and Genius makes us crazy. And who else did I find out had a child traveling companion? Um, Oscar Wilde. So brilliant people have been pedophiles for a long time. This isn't new. But I think I just wish we could kind of come to more of an acceptance that the likelihood that this was not... Appropriate. I mean, it, it definitely factually wasn't on its face, and nothing that these these men are saying is surprising after after you accept that fact.
1: R. Kelly, what
0: what can we really say? Um, there's a lot to say, so let's just go right into it.
1: I'm just tired. What are the lies that you're hearing that disturb you most? Oh my God. Um, all of them.
0: Um, got little girls trapped in the basement, helicopters over my house. I have a harem, uh, what you call it? Um, a coat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even really know what a coat is, but I, I know I don't have one. You know? Now, you know me, I always like to bring some levity to situations that are not funny. So, I'm just going to say, you might, dummy. <laughs> If you don't know what it is, you might have one. You don't know what it is. Don't try to be cute sitting up there with your illiteracy. This this interview with Gail, man. R. Kelly had an interview with Gail. He went completely ballistic. It was like the rage equivalent of Tom Cruise jumping on Oprah's couch. Um, He just sounded like a big angry, disgruntled, crying baby that could not believe that his chickens were finally coming home to roost, much like Brett Kavanaugh. He said, "Um, everybody everybody says something bad about me. No one says something good. I mean, they made me out to be a demon. Sir, the measure of whether people are telling the truth is not whether it's bad or good. The measure is whether it's, if it's true. Like when you really press for details, his narcissistic tendencies come out and People do, I told you I like sociopath stuff and, uh, you know, serial killer stuff. Now, people have this tendency to assume, because our, the, the most popular movies were like that, that narcissistic, sociopathic people are smart. Well, R. Kelly is here to show you that that is not true. Okay? That's not true. But what we do see is how his defense of himself is just utter nonsense. He said everyone is lying. Everyone knows you have to admit to raping at least, like, one person. This is textbook. You got to be like, I'm sorry if you, you know, I you thought I put an Elka in your drink. It was actually GHB. I thought you wanted to take a nap with me naked. I'm sorry. But all those other women, I never did anything to hurt you. Like, you have to admit to one that he's talking about all of the people across the generations, their children and their children's children's children, because that's how long this has been going on, are lying. He was talking about the blogs, social media. They barely had cell phones when you started peeing on girls, are Kelly. They barely had them. I mean, he denies ever having sex with someone under the age of 17. But you were in an interview with Torre where you, he asked you if you liked teenagers and you you were like, what's a teenager? And he was like... Like a a girl that's a teen. <laughs> I'll never forget that look, like a teen, you know? But I guess he doesn't know what a teenager is the same way he doesn't know what a cult is. But he had a complete and utter meltdown. He was screaming. He just, He just felt like, I guess it had gotten to the point where there were too many questions and too many unanswered questions, too much. And he just said, I'm I'm going for the big, I, I'm going for, you know, my secret play, full on man tantrum, mantrum time, and just said, how would I, how stupid do I look, Gail, with my way back past, I don't know what that means, by the way, my way back, how stupid would I look doing this with my way back, it's not about the music, 30 years of my career, I just want to see my kids, well, Put a pin in that because immediately after this interview, he got arrested for child support. (laughs) It's not funny, but it is funny. It is. Because you invoked your children. We already know that you don't barely communicate with them. They want nothing to do with you. And you do not pay for their child support. And then you're going to say that this is the reason why you're upset is because you want to see them. Utter nonsense. But he cried and stomped and, and people... I mean, it was pretty... Gail sat there like a G. She was stoic. I said, Gail Gail had that look that just said, Look, everybody, it's handled. Don't worry, because if this motherfucker steps one inch closer to me, he's going to feel all of the wrath and all of the rage. Like she wasn't flinching, okay? And I know that look because she was just ready. She reflexes on, she said, I'm ready. I'm ready to go, okay? I'm eye level with his crotch right now. I'm going to kick him in it with my stilettos. Like she wasn't scared, but it was a very physically intimidating outburst and it didn't really do him any favors in terms of looking like he's an even-keeled person that would not scream at women, make them go in basements, not eat, handcuff them. Like it, it really, it was like a Brett Kavanaugh tantrum. And I I struggle with that a little bit just because I love to know what people are thinking on the other side of right. <laughs> and I do know that there was like a whole, like, you don't know how people can act when they're accused. It's frustrating. But I have to say, like, I just, I think they make more sense than this. Like, I just think they make more sense than everyone is lying. All of them are lying. They're all lying because they want book deals and the blogs, the blogs, the blogs. It's just the blogs. The blogs made them lie, honey. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Stop crying and take your lumps like a man. You've been doing your dirt for 30 years and you just could not believe that you got caught. And, you know, I can't believe it either. That's where we are in agreement. I'm actually surprised people are finally giving a fuck. But I have to say, I am pleased. So... Oh, also in jail, he tried to pay. He owes a hundred sixty thousand in child support. He wanted to pay eighty, and the the judge was like, "No, pay all of it or go to jail." Bye. Who's gonna bail you out now? Who gonna check you now, boo? In our last important news story for the day, um, this past week's episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta featured a meltdown the likes of which I don't think we have really seen from Nene. Nene is usually in control of herself, even when she's being completely outrageous, rude, mean, aggressive, over the top. I, it's not that I don't like her. I think she's hilarious. She makes me laugh, but I do think she's a bully. And her bullying is usually controlled. She's Machiavellian. She's a, she's a fire starter. She's Iago. She's looking at how she can just create some mess and then stand back and say she doesn't want any mess. But this was different. She was unhinged. She was unwigged and unhinged. I, so they had this uh, leave your glue at home party where all the women had to show up with natural hair. And Atlanta is a different beast, man. It, it's not even when, until you're looking at the table, do you realize like only one of the people at the table really wears their hair out like ever. It's just not the same as New York in terms of the natural hair to wig ratio. However, the wigs and weaved on there are popping. Oh my, wherever Candy gets her weaves, Oh, I just want a day with her hairstylist. Seamless, seamless execution. She's a cherry Coke bottle, red one day, the next day a honey blonde, the next day a jet blue black. It's, oh, it's scrumptious. Her hair's bad. Um So Greg has gone to the hospital with a blood clot, which is a very serious condition. Um, but for some reason, Nene was still having this party. So apparently the day that Greg went into the hospital, uh, the day before the party, he texted Marlo and said, My wife is having a breakdown. Can you come see about her? So Marlo says she was at the hair salon. She left. She or No, she was getting her nails done. She stopped everything. She said, I have to go see my friend. So she drove like an hour and a half, came to Nini. And then Nini was like, I just need to be alone right now or something. So now to get to the time that the party is taking place, Marlo was like a couple hours late because she was getting her hair done. Everyone had to get their hair done, <laughs> their their actual hair underneath their wigs done to be presentable. It's really funny. They were like, oh, shit. And, like, <laughs> Portia was like, I had to be on standby. I had to be on standby. Like, it's emergencies. But... Mimi is screaming at Marlo when she comes in the, from the moment she comes in the door. What did she call her? You big belt having bitch or something. She had a big belt buckle on. Oh, purple rain bitch. She was wearing a purple dress with a belt. Purple rain. I mean, she was letting her have it and it turned into a screaming fight about how you don't understand me. You you how could you get in an argument with me when I need you? When I need you? When I need you? I, need you? I mean, rage crying. From Nini. Truly bizarre. And just, like I said, like this whole I I have some lovely friends, and I I just don't I'm not gonna say they wouldn't stand by me if I treated them like an insane person in my times of need, but I'm gonna say that's not our relationship. We haven't we haven't set up a relationship based on verbal abuse, so. I, I think it would be a change for them. So I don't know. But I hope one day I have people so ride or die that I could just be like, you fucking bitch, you don't know what I'm going through. Like, When did it become quite so externally other people's problem that you're having a problem? You're not the first person to have a sick husband. You're not the first person to lose somebody even. I mean, thank God Greg is still here and he's still fighting. But she internalizes all this like it's her fight. And the way she talks about him is a little concerning. Now, I don't know what goes on. Maybe Greg seems really chill and laid back in front of the camera and behind. He's not. But she says she's been complaining a lot about how hard being a caretaker is, which we I know that. But just the way Greg talks to her, and he's so cranky. He has such an attitude. And I was like, well, he does have... Cancer. So I feel like that might put me in a bad mood. I don't know. Different strokes. So she's losing it. She's losing her shit. It's very strange. Then they go upstairs and apologize to each other because, like any good abusive relationship, there's high highs and low lows. We scream, we scream, we scream at each other. And then we make up and say, I love you. You're my sister. Don't ever do that again. So the other girls drunkenly find out that Nini's upstairs in her boudoir with uh, Marlo holding each other and comforting each other. And then Candy says, well, I want to see this closet. What's this closet you've been bragging about? You always talk about your closet, your closet. Now, it's shade. It's always shade. Whenever they investigate each other's houses, it's nothing but shade. So Yes, we know that. So she says she wants to go in the closet. And Nini's like, don't go in there. Don't go in there. But she kind of says it in like a, you know, you don't know if she's joking or not. But looking at what happened afterwards, you see was that kind of like wounded animal. Like, you don't know if I'm playing with you or not. Like, I'm a cat. And like, you think it's all games. But now I'm going to like scratch you in the eye. She, I couldn't tell she was like really serious. Yes, she's saying no. I'm not trying to say like, no doesn't mean no. But you know what I mean? Like, it seemed like she was kidding. She's like, oh, my closet is a mess. My closet is a mess. Then Portia follows her in there. Then a cameraman starts to follow her in there. She, Nene, leaps up and yanks this cameraman back so hard that she rips his T-shirt. Then it's like some found footage, okay? It's like the Blair Witch Project. The camera's like, and then like just you just hear, ah! Uh, uh, from the closet. Portia, she's pregnant. So sh- somehow we know that she like attacks Portia and of course that's a part that's to be continued. <sighs> it was a lot. Then Shamari's 90 pound behind. She looked like if there was a meme of like tippling, like <clears throat> the way she was sipping her cocktails, like <clears throat> tongue out. I was dying. She said, I have a babysitter, and I'm coming out, and I'm drinking all of these cocktails. And even in her like camera one-on-one, she said, Nini's cocktails. I was just trying to enjoy the deliciousness. She is completely wasted. She says she's from Hokonda. She starts trying to suck on homegirl's nipple. Eva Pigford. And can we just clap it up for a minute for someone who is really has a whole career from a reality show. Cause wasn't that some other girl trying to come at Tyra and say that nothing happens because of top model. The only reason I know who Eva Pigford is, is now going on what, like 15 years ago. Um, but anyway, she was trying to, she was like, I'm going home with Eva. She grabbed the other girl who's not, who doesn't have a peach, but I don't know what she's really loud. She grabbed her vagina. It was crazy. And the thing is, she's not joking. Like she does date women like, Candy was like, when the ladies start drinking, he's real lesbian up in here. No, it doesn't get lesbian, it gets bisexual. Shamari already told you what it is. I think Eva's bi too, actually. So it was hilarious. Like, she's coming for you, she's ready. It was so funny. And then she threw up on Eva's shoes. That part was disgusting. It was not funny. But she just got completely trashed. And it was hilariously like the most predictable thing because she literally looks like she weighs like 90 pounds and so she had like 18 cocktails. So funny. Yeah, it was a great episode. I should have known they were gonna cut it into. You can always just go to the last 30 minutes if you wanna see like when the fight's actually gonna happen. That's just that's just reality TV facts, darling. Everyone knows that. And then Nene came and watched what happened live and just staunchly defended that she did not overreact about her closet at all. I thought it was kind of funny to talk about it now because we didn't actually see what happened yet, but she just said they took a poll. The audience voted like she got like five percent she was wrong, or sorry, five percent she was right, and ninety five percent she was wrong and overreacted. She said, "I don't care what poll." Look, she addressed the audience. She said, "America, I don't care what the poll said. If, if I, you come in my house, I tell you to sit down somewhere. You're going to sit on. You better sit down somewhere." And I was like, "Okay, well, I mean, she has a point there, but it was amazing. She just." came for all of America. She looked dead in the camera and said, "Fuck fuck all of you. I don't care. I'm right. You're wrong, and that's the last we're going to discuss it." And I said, "Okay then." I don't know when she's going to address the nervous breakdown part. She just keeps saying she was stressed. So, that's I guess that's where we're leaving it. She was stressed and turned into a werewolf. All right, you guys. Thank you for sticking around for another episode of Cake and Kombucha. I can't wait to hear your thoughts about this week I want to know especially your facts about finding not finding Neverland that's a Broadway show you see where you see you know who you're dealing with leaving Neverland and I'm really interested for your feedback so hit me up you can email me at cakeandkombucha at gmail.com you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at kelezier K-E-L-E-Z-I-E. But most importantly, please share and subscribe. Subscribe and leave a review. That's how I know what you like. That's how I know how to get better, what you're responding to. And that's how other people can find out about Cake and Kombucha. All right, ta-ta for now. Cake and Kombucha is produced by Kalechi AZA. It features music by Melanie Charles. If you like what you're hearing, go to melaniejbcharles.com or find her on Spotify.
1: Leave was good with me Once in Colorado, had, it's magic. It's me that I love